Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blind Spot Show, where leaders lead leaders. I am your host, Birgit Camps, and the CEOs I invite on the show are both high performers and humble enough to share their leadership blind spots. Today's guest is Terry Looper, founder, president, and CEO of Texon LP, an energy services company. So Terry, I've known you for over a decade, and you're one of the most humble leaders I know. And in fact, it took me years to find out some of your accomplishments. So uh, on that note, I'm going to be the one uh, bragging on you, so to speak, because um, otherwise it might take us 10 years for the listeners to find out all about you. <laughs> anyway, um, the first three accomplishments are gonna, I'm going to mention are public ones. In other words, it's easy to go to Google and find these out about you. So first of all, you founded Texon over 30 years ago, and you successfully started 15 different businesses within Texon. You were also uh, rewarded as Regional Entrepreneur of the Year by Ernst & Young, and just recently you were also awarded as being the best leader, uh, and it's based on a survey from employees. So those are just some of the public awards that you have won that people can find out on their own. But there are also some uh, things that you've done that uh, you're very humble about that I'm going to share. And one of them is that uh, you've actually been profitable uh, every single year after your first year in business and you have never been sued by anyone that you've known, which this day and age is pretty unique. Um, in addition to that, you have uh, released a book called Sacred Pace. And although it is available on Amazon, unless you actually read the whole book, um, and unless you know, you, you've known uh, you know, your principles about giving and, and your values, you wouldn't know that you actually, even though you started off giving 10% and then increasing it to 20, 30, you've been giving 50% of your income now for years to charities. So those are just some of the things that, uh, you know, I know about you and, uh, you know, we're going to try to not make this a 10 hour podcast. So I'm about to turn it over to you, but I also want to brag on, you know, the huge impact you had on uh, my success when I started my company. Um, I'd been serving you in different capacities in your company for a while, but then I decided to take the step and start my own. And one of the big things that you uh, shared with me was that, Birgit, if you want to be an effective and successful leader and take your company to, you know, great levels and help lots of people, the best thing you can do is to become a really healthy, well-rounded human being. The healthier you become as a human being, the healthier and more effective you will be as a leader. And, um, you know, to me, you have been a model of what that means. And it's not a one-time event. You have taught me it's pretty much a journey. So anyway, with that, I will now turn it over to you, Terry, and let you kind of share you know, your leadership journey, because when our listeners hear your track record, they may think that you were born brilliant as a leader and <laughs> have had nothing but successes. So um, thank you again, Terry, for being on the show. And 
I'm going to turn it over to you now. Thank you, Jared. I couldn't help but laugh when you there at the end when you said, uh, you know, I've always been successful because I <clears throat> I used to be a pitiful leader, just just a massive pitiful leader, and uh, you know, then I burned out partly because of that because I was trying to be a uh, trying to run a company as a pitiful leader and 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 huge people pleaser and um, chasing my false god money and had my identity all tied up in in what I did. <clears throat> Fortunately, I crashed and burned and burned out at, at age 36. And from that point on, I started on a quest um, to figure out how to be a good leader. And uh, and so it's been a it's been a journey of over 30 years, but <clears throat> still on that journey. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to a conference in March at 71 years old to uh, be a better leader. In D.C., I'm going to a couple-day conference in March, and it's strictly to, to be a better leader. And um, so, Are you saying uh, this is an ongoing journey? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not trying to brag about it. My point is, is that is that. I'm far from being a great leader. And uh, our great husband, our great friend, our great follower of Christ. It's but it's a it's a journey I've been on various ways, various seasons, and um, for the last thirty five years, I guess. Yeah. So you mentioned you burned out, and that's that's when you started to inquire into how to be a better leader. Are you? Does that mean you think you burned out because you weren't being a good leader, or can you say why you think you burned out? Well, as I, uh, the t- two main reasons were I was a huge people pleaser and trying to amass a lot of money to get approval of my parents. I found out later through a whole bunch of therapy. So um, those mm-hmm. were the two main reasons I crashed. And then I caught, we were right in the middle of selling our business um, in catching my false god, which was more money than I ever expected to receive as a person from a real small town in Texas growing up there. So so that that's the main reason. Um, fortunately, um, through that crash, it started to reveal to me how pitiful of a leader I was of leading people. I seemed to know mm-hmm. how to make money, but I, I sure um, wasn't honoring or developing a good culture, holistic culture, and, and, a, and, and a great business in, environment. And then, and then you had your burnout, and then you were you thought, how can I do this differently? Right, right, sure. And so, you know, there was a, and so I did a bunch of therapy trying to figure out why I was such a people pleaser and why my identity was so tied up into what I did versus who I was. And 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 then after all that, then became a Christian out of that, mm-hmm. and um, and and have I don't know. There, there, I would say dozens of blind spots revealed over the decades of uh, who I was versus who I thought I was. And do you have an example? Well, probably the biggest one was once I burned out and then I felt called to start a, this company, Texon, that, that I founded 30 years ago, I thought I had become, uh, as this new leader, an amazing uh, servant leader of the people, of the employees. And then about 15 years into the company, I uh, we went through a real reduced income and 
I started speeding back up the way I used to do, and some of my old sins reared its their ugly head, and and I pressed hard and pressed forward to to uh, get the company back on track, making money or more money. And when I came out of that two year painful season of over trying, I read a book called Lead Like Jesus by uh, titled Lead Like Jesus by Ken Blanchard. And in that book, by reading that book, I found out I had been a really poor servant leader those 15 years. It had been all still had been all about me and not about them. It's how I looked to the employees way more than how I truly served them. So that's probably the biggest blind spot I've had in these 30 years. And that started the quest of trying to learn how to serve the, the employees first and foremost, and then the, then the results will come in a way that will bless the company and bless obviously bless me and the, and the employees. Yeah, well, that that's a pretty big blind spot. Um, yeah, no kidding. And so you you read the book, and then and then all of a sudden it hit you that hey, I wonder I wonder if I'm really the servant leader I think I am. And how how did you discover it? Was there an aha moment while you were reading it, or? Well. <laughs> I have a friend of mine that, you know, we sometimes uh, underline in books with a yellow marker. And he said, you know, Terry, when I read a book that just really, really impacts me, I, I just feel like I should just dip the whole book in a vat of yellow <laughs> and uh, uh, yellow liquid. And that's exactly how I felt. Almost every page I read something that said, I'm not doing that. And if I'm doing it, I'm not doing it well. Mm. Just almost every page of that book. And so... It was just, you know, how it is when you recommend a book to people, sometimes it, it hits you exactly where you needed it at the moment. And other people go, no, that didn't do, do much for me. Well, that, that book at that moment in time that opened up my blind spot and, and revealed pages upon pages of where I had been poor at uh, serving others. Yeah. Well, and you you said it, you know, someone else might have read it and not gotten anything, but um, I assert that your commitment to being a Christ-like leader and to serving others is what had you be ready to actually see that part. Um, Yeah. And, of course, we all benefited from from that revelation. (laughs) Well, um, thank goodness, you know, I benefited, obviously, uh, probably the most as I started changing and dying to self around being all about me as a leader. Well, that's another interesting point. You know, we think we yeah. so, and we think we're we're helping others, but we also uh, end up helping ourselves as we discover yeah. our blind spots. So, how did that impact you know your leadership going forward? Well, you know, we we went from well, we've gone from kind of a mom and pop company to became a, a much become a much larger company and a more sophisticated company and got to the point that I couldn't manage the way I used to manage. And really, I kind of wanted it to remain a mom and pop because of my burnout. And and uh, it just kept growing to the point that I had to change the way I led and changed, <clears throat> really change the leaders, get the leaders that reported me to change. But, you know, we our mission statement became to be the best uh, service provider in our segment of the energy industry. and But what I learned uh, so clearly is if I wanted to be the very best service provider in our industry, I had to be, or Texan and the leadership, my leadership team 
had to be the best servant leaders of the employees mm-hmm. at Exxon to be the best servant provider in our industry. And it, it, it's just a simple absolute that you can't drive your people, you can't drive others to try to force them to do things uh, for very long <clears throat> to where it's no longer their thing. So as we serve them, they genuinely wanted to serve our customers and even our vendors and, and their fellow employees um, within Texan. So it was just, and then our homogeneous culture continued to evolve to um, um, really a, a pretty homogeneous culture that I never knew possible, uh, honestly. And, and, and really, I just tried to, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make it a big deal or a big amount of effort. I just tried to honor people and serve people. Yeah. So, so that's a interesting journey you went on. Uh, like you said, to get to the next level, you could no longer operate the way you were without significant pain, and you were not willing to go through the same pain you went through before. Um, and you know, sounds like you really figured out how to serve your your leaders so that they could serve others better. So what would you say then to to leaders who keep telling everybody, you know, customers number one? Well, I, I just firmly believe you got to make your employees number one. And unfortunately, I, I feel like the only way that happens is for you to die to self. And the only way that happens is through a lot of pain and mistakes and failures and trials. Um, as, to, as you reveal blind spots of your weaknesses, what what generally happens is with these blind spots, I, I, I've always loved that term because that really means there's a spot in front of your eyes that you just can't see or in front of your brain. You can't see. And so why haven't you been able to see it? Well, it's because you didn't want to change. And how does it get revealed? Well, it's because something's happened in your life that you want to change and want to see it. and it's Almost always in my life, it's due to pain. Um, could be because I'm praying to, to get blind spots revealed, and and so the only way it seems like they happen is I go through some painful season or painful event that then reveals um, the the truth that's been there all along that others see. It's amazing, you know. If you went go ask three people, your closest friends or family members. Tell me some few things that you see in me that I don't see in me. I would venture to say they will all be able to reveal at least one blind spot. <laughs> yes. And, and to your point, and, and we're not always willing to ask them because <laughs> we're not always right. ready. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And, uh, so, you know, it's the old, you know, to try to wait and see. So, you know, you, this, these broadcasts you're doing, which I think will be very, very helpful to people. But some will be ready to hear it, and some won't. And but the ones that are ready to hear it will have a great impact on them, and really leverage them forward in their walk as a as a better leader. So I applaud you for uh, making these available. And then the ones that are ready to tackle some of their blind spots, then good for them. Yeah, and it's kind of like you with the book. You know, sometimes hearing it from someone that's not emotionally engaged, like a family member. It is something, you know, take a look at it. Thank you for being willing to do this. Um, So then, you know, there's there's, uh, 
as you have already alluded to, I think blind spots, they just move their spot, right? So now this time it was servant leadership, next time it's something else. It's like we're, as long as we're a human being, we'll have blind spots. Yeah. And, uh, but some of them will be more drastic than others. So it sounds like you really, really got a big one revealed that it's positively impacted so many people. Um, and, and, you know, so another season I went through in writing that book, uh, Sacred Place, it took five years, and which was painful in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I never really could write a book, nor am I gifted at that. But in doing that, to get it to the end, and, and um, so it's 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 a book around how to discern God's will. So it's for sure trying to glorify the Lord. So he, I'm convinced, wanted the, the book to glorify him and not me. So over the last two years, for sure, probably revealed 10 to 20 blind spots around the words that had been written that he wanted to reveal to me that it was about my pride um, that he wanted out of the book. So it would continue to be more about him and less about me. So that that was an interesting um, journey of blind spots. They weren't necessarily big blind spots, but it was my surrender. Uh, and why were they revealed? Um, it is because my desire to glorify him was greater, uh, truly greater than my desire to glorify me. So it, eventually and consequently, I was open to seeing blind spots. And um, I, I uh, so I, and I had confirmation from an editor that that it had uh, that we had accomplished that, and I felt I felt blessed though though a, a lot of things I had to re- reveal to me and deal with around my pride. Yeah, well, it's interesting uh, as you're saying that what what came up for me was you know it's another version of being a servant leader, right? You think you're 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 writing that book to serve others and um then somehow it got revealed to you that you're being prideful in some area and uh yeah. your commitment to serve God in this case you know before it was your commitment to serve people as well as God and then in this case again your commitment is what allowed you to see it so right. um and i just beautiful the book you know the name alone <clears throat> excuse me would is a lot of people's blind spots, right? We, <laughs> uh, right. we, we go so fast as leaders that, uh, we don't realize sometimes, you know, the damage we cause by going fast. And, mm-hmm. uh, the title mm-hmm. of sacred mm-hmm. space is so key. And, um, yeah. you know, if, if you were to, reveal, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you, you know, when you go too fast, I think see my blind spot of this, that you, when you go too fast, you either hurt, you first seem to hurt relationships, particularly the ones that matter the most, which include some employees, and, and or you start uh, impairing your health, which usually takes a longer extended period of time. But uh, one way or another, it, it uh, both of those, which you, when you, in the dark of the night, you go, which, what, what's the most, two most precious things in my life, or besides your faith, maybe, is, is, is my relationships, including your faith relationship, and and your health, and which are the and and, and guess which two suffer the most when uh, you go too fast. So it's a it's a blind spot worth pursuing and uh, trying to defeat 
And you'll also, I'm convinced, be a better business person because you'll think better, you'll reflect better, you'll have more conviction about the important and, and less about the urgent, and you will do less things well rather than more things good. And anyway, <clears throat> it's just a win-win. I think God's designed it so well, our life. It's just a matter of our culture tries to get us to operate in a way that uh, isn't very honoring to ourselves or the people around us. Yeah. I, I, and I think we see that all the time, right? If we go out to dinner or we go to a park, everybody's on their phones and not really interacting with each other. And then at work, yeah. we're behind our computers. So, um, yeah. So then the question is, indeed, when, when do we have time for relationships or for our faith or all, you know, taking care of our health? And uh, I'm just grateful that that you wrote the book and that you got things revealed to you and um, and that you're still here with us, you know, being able to share all this. You know, and, and we've been talking about blind spots in terms of the ones that, you know, you might say are are the ones that are humbling. But there's also some blind spots, Terry, that you have that that are really phenomenal that you think are normal and that everybody does. And and, you know, those are blind spots in terms of, no, that's really pretty amazing. And one of the ones that I happen to know about you is you've got this, you know, this daily habit that you just think, you know, everybody does and people should do. And it's not that big of a deal because you've been doing this for years and years. But you get up early every morning before you do anything else. And um, you want to reveal a little bit about what what you do, what your habit is? Sure, sure. Um, it, it's uh, it's almost an addiction um, that I get up and, and spend quiet time with the Lord and, and read uh, scripture, usually read a devotional and our Christian book for a while and pray and um, and try to uh, get my mind and myself in a place to have a better chance of glorifying him throughout the day, which means I'll have more love, joy, peace, and patience, which mm-hmm. <clears throat> are fruits of the Spirit of the Lord, which you go, it ain't all bad. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you, you know, that's for sure. Uh, I feel blessed that that's a habit of mine. That just, you know, some people have a real strong habit to go work out every day. Now, I wish I had that. I work out three days a week, and it's, it's, I enjoy it when I'm there, but it's it's never really something I yearn to go do. And yet, I, I yearn to go do this every morning, so I feel blessed. Um, I wish I had the yearning to go work out every day, too, for that matter. But I've also had some positive blind spots of, of <clears throat> not realizing to, to figure out my giftedness and to try to orient myself in my uh, area of giftedness and, and, and try to stay away from so much of the distractions of what I'm not gifted at. It's amazing how much time you, you waste uh, and how much emotions you drain when, when you don't uh, really try to understand your giftedness and, and get in, your, you and your employees in areas that affirm that and allow that as a high percentage of their time. I um, I didn't know another uh, another blind spot. I didn't know I was an entrepreneur, uh, hmm. you know, until I had inklings of it. But I never knew that until I <clears throat> really hit my wall and started really trying to understand myself. And I found out that I like to start things and I don't like to operate things. I've 
found out that's one of those 15 businesses. We started all those really from scratch. We bought a couple of little assets that were broken, but mainly we started all these businesses. I like to start and, and I don't like to operate, so we tend to sell them after they get to a level where we don't know how to add enough value to it and or they get too big for a private company to maintain. So so you can, the more you can figure, in addition to the negative bond spots, you bring up a really good point, uh, very good. The more you can figure out your positive blind spots of who you really, really are. Like my company doesn't like me selling businesses, but look, I said, look, y'all like me start us starting them and, and mm-hmm. developing them and having success around the ones that we've had success on. Uh, but one of the fallouts is for me to have joy and be a, a good servant leader is to not be uh, swamped with all kind of operational issues. And and uh, and that, that way would take from my joy and take from me being a good servant leader. So we tend to sell businesses um, when most companies don't. But it's, again, me knowing myself and knowing who our culture is and um, to where it, 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 it's a blessing to, to most people. And, and for sure, for me and therefore hopefully for others. Well, definitely. And I'm another example. Um, of that and I when I first got to know you and and your company I was also struck by the disproportionate amount of back office support people you had because a lot of my other clients were always looking at how can we cut back office how can we cut admin costs and you were like double tripling it and I was like wow why would he do the opposite of what most others do and then you explained to me that you know we back to your mission right you really want to do a good job serving uh your customers and you can't do that if you know the back office isn't taken care of so you actually inspired me at the time for me to also add admin people to my company and when we did that we tripled in revenue so yeah. it, that's another perfect example of a blind spot you had that, that at the time you didn't say, hey, Birgit, I think you should do this. But by me by me noticing what you were doing, I was like, man, he's doing that. And and then, you know, here here I go testing the same thing. And it really, really right. made a big difference. No, it does. It does. Kind of like most salespeople are not administratively um, uh, inclined, I guess is about as nice a way as I can say it. <laughs> right. And with a, including me. Uh, and consequently, most companies don't have administrative assistance because they say, well, they can do it all on their computer. But what, what the leaders don't realize is that is extremely draining to mm-hmm. a non-detailed uh, person. And that draining actually spills over and, and really chokes their joy and chokes their effectiveness and productivity in their area of giftedness. It it's really compounds the problem. So we have a lot of administrative assistance at Texan in the commercial area to relieve these guys and ladies so they can just go create and, and reflect and visit with customers and take care of their customers. And, and um, so, yeah, on the surface, it looks like we've got a, a pretty significant overhead for uh, based on our profits. But uh, I'll say this. I think this will be our 31st year of Texan. It looks like we're going to make an operating, all-time operating profit goal, uh, not goal, pro- uh, profit um, record and, uh, for this year. And as you know, Birgit, I, I made it a 
goal, if you want to call it, to never have any metric goals for Texan the whole time. And so for 30 years, I've never had any metric goals of trying to achieve more of this or more of that of revenue and our profits. And it allowed all the commercial people to have their freedom to, to work at the pace they want to work at and do what they want to work at. And they're, they're essentially all having a record this year, uh, which is usually not the case. Usually some of the divisions, you know, have good years and others don't have as good. So anyway, I don't know, whatever. It, it just seems to work. Yeah, and, that, and that's doubly impressive given the marketplace we're in right now for energy companies. Mm-hmm. So it we, really is. It's kind of a, and we sold two businesses last year mm-hmm. that uh, would have done very well this year, uh, income-wise. And so we still set a record having sold two businesses uh, last year. So, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good, yeah. Well, there's your humble side again. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, uh, you know, you've revealed a lot and and you've already answered a question my daughter wanted me to ask you, which is, you know, did you wake up and know you wanted to be CEO? And uh, I think you said you didn't even know you wanted to be that and you just ended up there. Um, Mm -hmm. But what and so but now that you are CEO, what has been the most surprising to you in terms of, you know, people? They're probably almost every people problem is directly or indirectly because of you as a leader. Um, you need to, when you have a personnel problem, you, you need to really try to remove the grind spot and see what, what role you had in that that might have been, you've been ignoring for years that let certain kind of culture exist or certain type of people exist or a certain person remain for whatever reasons or re, uh, remain unchecked or their boss not being the kind of leader, dealer with the truth. Um, there's so much untruth not disclosed. I don't know if that's a proper sentence or not, but there, there, there's so much truth not revealed in a company, not dealt with, not uh, spoken to, that is swept under the rug that it eventually has consequences. And it you can pretty well assume it starts with the leader. So that that's probably the biggest blind spot I've had to just deal with that when we have some significant personnel issues, I have to stop and reflect about what was my part. Um, and usually, sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's not subtle. Yeah. Well, I can see now why you were voted as one of the best leaders by your employees because, uh, you know, a lot of leaders would first point the finger elsewhere before they look at themselves. So it's been it's been a real honor to know you and, and to serve you over the years. And, um, you know, as we wrap up our uh, our show, is there, uh, you know, is there anything else you want leaders to know or any other recommendations you have for them before we wrap it up? Well, I, I'd say don't beat yourself up, you know, um, Yearn to be a better leader and don't beat yourself up and try to read a hundred books, but keep yearning and praying. If you, if you're a person of faith, keep praying to be a better leader and, and, uh, and things will happen either from the Lord or just in the marketplace and or in your shop or your company that will give you an opportunity to grow. It just, it just will through pain or opportunity, whatever the case may be. Some, Case okay, those are one and the same. So um, decide whether you want to be a great leader. You you just 
you know, you'll just have more joy, peace, and patience, and you'll make more money, and your employees will be more honored, and they'll have more fun. So other than that, I don't know why you wouldn't want to be a better leader. Mm. Yeah, and thank you for creating an environment where people can can lead. You know, you certainly, like you said earlier, you, you're a servant leader and you let other people lead, which is a yeah. huge contribution. <laughs> well, Mary, you, you know, you, you've consulted us over the many years and, and, and you know I'm not a, a great leader, but one of the things you say I get away with and the way I communicate sometimes poorly is I get away with it some, uh, because of the trust they have in me because I truly yearn to try to do what's best. And at some level, they know that. So when I don't communicate soon enough or I don't communicate well or I take actions that probably aren't in uh, really their best interest or even mine because of myself getting in the way, uh, because of the trust they have in me, um, I kind of get away with it and I continue to try to grow and and solve and work with the problems I then create at times. I mean, I said when I started Texan, I wasn't going to let the little boy in me cause this company to go under or create or have major problems because of uh, the little boy in me. And I refer to that as my pride, fear, jealousy, uh, pain of any sort, my dysfunction that I was going to uh, keep it checked at the door and, and try to operate as uh, a mature leader rather than we see it all the time and still myself operating occasionally as an immature leader. Well, as long as those immature seasons and actions aren't critical or huge, then that's fine. But uh, I just said to myself, I cannot let any of those be critical in, in nature and cause our company to have major failings. Yes. I, uh, uh, that's why it's such an honor to know you because I, I know your commitment and, you know, I don't want to skip over the statement you made earlier, which is that you don't have metrics because that would other leaders would go crazy when they hear that statement because, you know, they were told metrics, metrics, metrics when it comes to sales goals and all that. But uh, your commitment to, you know, being a mature leader and, you know, to a great extent also hiring people who are mature people and mature team members I think has been phenomenal. So, uh, you know, from the outside looking in, I think another one of your positive blind spots is the trust environment you create. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for being on the show. And uh, thank you for finally writing your book. And uh, Terry, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up the show? No, I don't think so. I am feel honored and humbled that you would even want me to do this. So I hope and pray. Um, prior to this, that it would uh, not only glorify the Lord, but would bless the listeners and, and of course, bless you and me and just even, even getting to do this. So thank you. Okay. Well, Terry, thank you again so very much for being on the CEO Blind Spot Show and revealing your own blind spots, both the positive and the negative, um, because that hopefully will help, you know, our listener reach their next level of success faster and hopefully with less pain by learning from yours <laughs> anyway. And thank you listener for your interest in leadership. And if you want to know more about Terry, go to texonlp.com or you can buy his book on Amazon called Sacred Pace. And 
if you want to know what the 10 most common leadership blind spots are, please send me an email at ceoblindspots at gmail.com and send me your contact information and I will send you that document. So in the meantime, and with deep gratitude, I wrap up today's CEO Blind Spots show 